Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend, on the show today. TikTok, we're going to find out about what's the deal with ticks, these ugly little creatures. How do you get rid of them? Because there's a lot of myths on how you get rid of ticks that are absolutely wrong and actually could cause more damage. So Doc Halligan will be back to tell us all about ticks. I have a um, Lyme disease um, um, pet from got bit by a tick, and it's it's not it's not fun. I mean, they basically go lame. They can't walk. They're in a lot of pain, and they got to be on antibiotics. And, and if you don't catch it soon, um, it's actually really bad on their liver. So really, wow. Did you? Yeah, what happened for we, you? We caught it soon. Well, you know, the way that we caught it was was. My dog stopped um basically walking was limping, so just got laid. you know okay. as, as soon as soon as you see that, you think that you know well, what they do they did somebody step on the dog 's foot, did he hurt its the leg somehow, and then a couple of days later, it was another leg, so we brought it to the veterinarian. I mean, yeah, it rotates and the, the vet wow. said, you know what let let me um do a Lyme test on him, and he came up Lyme. And they put them on some sort of antibiotics, and within a couple of days was totally back to normal. But every six months, he has to go back on a cycle of antibiotics. And if he doesn't, the same thing happens. And I don't know for how long, but um, we did catch it in time. He said if you don't catch it in time, a lot of dogs will die. It's really important you listen today with Doc Halligan in just a few minutes as she tells us all about the tick. Also, you may have heard about this. We are now cloning in the U.S. The U.S. is now cloning pets, dogs, cats, and also doing genetic preservation, and we're going to be talking to a company that does that. I right guess they, the... they've been doing big animals for a while now. Now I think it's just into the domestic pets. Yeah, they've been doing domestic pets in China yeah. and uh, the, these other countries. So the first time it's really on U.S. soil right now. Uh, so we'll find out more about that in just a couple of minutes. Also, if you're a cat owner, you probably already know this, but there's a certain place that you can pet your cats and places that you can't pet your cats because they're they just you know they'll freak out if you pet them in the wrong places even if you have a great relationship with them and you've taken them out to dinner first on the show sarah ellis will be joining us she's a feline behavior expert and she'll tell us where we can pet our cats exactly you can stroke me here but not there (laughs) yeah you know i just realized how how similar ex-wives and cats are I, I, it just struck Ooh. me right, right there. <laughs> Didn't realize that. Also, Robert Semro was on the show, and he has five things you must know about pet bowls. These are the bowls you. Uh, there are things to know about. Apparently, a bowl? there is there is something to five know about things. five things wow. to know. There are important things, so important that he's uh, made a segment out of that, and that's coming up in just a few minutes, right here on Animal Radio. Joey Volani, the dog father. What do you got for today's show? Well, we're going to talk about if it's um, good to bathe your pet that has a skin condition often or not often at all. So we'll figure that one out. Yeah, it all depends on who you ask usually. Some people say you can't bathe your animals too often. You well, know, listen, there's, there's only one person to ask, okay? And, and that's and, the dog father. you sit there <laughs> the and you father. listen, you'll, you'll know what to do. Okay, that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. What do you say we go take some calls for Dr. Debbie? Let's do it. I believe we're going to line four and we have Troy on the line. Hey, Troy, what's up? Hey, I was wondering uh, about Dynavite. Is that really true about what all it does? Or oh, That's the greatest question out there. <laughs> well, hey, Troy, thank you for calling. As far as with Dynavite or a lot of these other nutritional supplements out, are out there, that's the hardest thing to prove is, you know, how do these things work and do they work? 
I'd have to say that a lot of veterinarians are skeptical when a product comes out and claims a lot of these big claims that they do. You know, and I'd have to say there's some good things that come out of some of these supplements. And, and I know I've said this before on show uh, that, uh, you know, there are some components that may be of value for some pets. Things like zinc can be helpful for some pets. That's zinc-related skin problems, fatty acid problems. But, you know, the overall thing is that, you know, it's a supplement. Some dogs, I'd say the cons of this product, I've had some clients tell me that they've the pet finds it offensive in taste, which does no good, um, and can be costly. Um, so I'd have to say use with caution, um, not because I think it's going to hurt an animal, but I just I have a hard time getting sold into a product that's going to cure everything from allergies to itching to, um, you know, your, your pet's uh, bad breath and gas problems. <laughs> so that, that's my honest opinion there. My dog's like a short-haired dog, and he seems like he loses more hair, and then, and then, and it looks like he'd lose all his hair, but he don't. But he itches all the time in the summertime. Oh yeah, yeah. What part of the country are you in? Kansas. In Kansas, okay. Well, you're definitely in uh, areas where we do have some parasites like fleas. So that's the number one thing. If you're seeing like an itching at a seasonal time of the year, I'd make sure we're using good flea control control products. And short-haired dogs, the ugh, the crazy thing is, short-haired dogs shed a ton. And they do have just this constant loss of hair replaced with new hair. And I've actually had Labradors um, that come to my clinic and we can just see tufts and balls of hair leaving or after they leave that are in the room. So it is somewhat the nature. If you do regular brushing, uh, keep on a good healthy diet, you know, do you need a supplement? Most people don't. Most dogs don't. Um, if there's something we need to treat more appropriately, a medical problem or maybe an allergy issue, then I'd kind of gear the, our direction that way. What kind of well, diet does your dog have? Pedigree. I gave him pedigree and some dry food. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot mm-hmm. of times when you give those supplements, uh, if you just feed a basic diet, a good good diet, you can avoid that kind of stuff. I was going to say, in some areas, like out in the desert here, we do have a really dry climate, and some pets can be a bit dry in certain situations. So I will often use things like fatty acids, and there are some fatty acids in Dynavite. Granted, they're not my favorite. They're more out of uh, the flaxseed family versus fish oils, Um, but some of those things can be very useful for just that kind of mild dryness or itching that a pet has. Yeah. I know. I, it, it sounds easier to put something in the food to make all the ailments go away, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's getting older. He's about 10 years old, and the vet's been giving him allergy shots, and it seems like every month he needs one. Oh, that's a bit frequent. So he's getting a steroid shot then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bit much. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot more that can be done for allergies than just that steroid shot, but it takes a little work. It takes a little motivation to make sure you kind of look into the problem but it is easy to give steroids and unfortunately you know even us as veterinarians we use that crutch sometimes too much because it's easier to do that to to get to the root of the problem um so i wish we had more time because there's a lot we could get into as far as hypoallergenic diets um you know testing for allergies um things along those lines that we can really get into to try to get to the root of the problem so Come on out to Vegas. <laughs> we'll set you up. <laughs> want to take a second to thank the underwriters that make this show possible, like Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, Bill, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good. Where are you today? Well, right now I am in Texas. 
Texas. You must be a trucker? Yes, I am. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> He's got trucker attitude there. Uh, I like that. It's my kind of trucker. So do you travel with your pet? Um, actually, no, I'm not. Um, my wife works at an animal hospital in the Tampa Bay area. Oh. And she got bit by a German shepherd today. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Yeah, she got bit pretty good uh, on the back of her right hand. Um, and um, when I talked to her at noon, which was about two hours after it happened, it, it hadn't swollen up yet. Um, but I talked to her about three, which was about three hours later, and she said it had started swelling up. If she hadn't have taken the ring off of her hand, um, that she would have had to have it cut off. So, oh dear! Good thing she did that. You know, anyone working in the animal field, it's a very common risk we suffer. And, and you know, you mentioned the ring thing, and I went through this myself where I had a, you know, minuscule little cat bite, and over the course of a day, my fingers started swelling up, and they, nurse, crazy nurse ratchet, I called her, she wanted to cut my <laughs> ring off, my engagement ring, and there was no way in heck I was going <laughs> to let that happen. I was in tears over this, but uh, eventually she got the butter to get the ring off my uh. finger, and I got treated, but I digress here. Well, but, yeah, so they can... I have it. My, my wedding ring's a tattoo, so it don't matter about oh. that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, any bite, dog bites, cat bites, have the potential to get very serious. And they can escalate very fast. So, I mean, the first and foremost thing is I would definitely encourage, um, you know, her to get medical attention. Um, and, and, of course, you know, a lot of times I get asked uh, human medical things. Um, so I can't technically tell her what she should do medically, but I can definitely give you my advice that these can get very serious very fast. And as an employer of people in the veterinary industry, I'd say it's also a liability as a, um, you know, practice owner. Um, I had a guy who, he got a little bite on a dog, uh, bit his tip of his fingernail, and he uh, didn't tell me, refused to go see the doctor. He almost lost the tip of his finger um, because he was trying... He was trying to not disclose this injury to me, um, and it really put him in jeopardy. So, yeah, I would definitely encourage her to get attention. Now, to people that. don't disclose this because they're afraid of the consequences sometimes. Do you have to report those, Doc? Technically, if there's any bite, it should be reported. But the ones that require medical attention are generally the ones where um, it's, it's most important because then you get, you know, the human medical field together, and, and they have pretty strict uh, regulations upon that just to ensure public health, make sure everyone's current on their radio vaccination and uh, you know to kind of look at the context of the bite as well because you know this this could be anything in the veterinary world i have dogs that don't like my glove approach and would want to bite me and that's not a you know that's not an aggressive dog it's just a, a fear reaction there you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android dogs or cats horse or emu Does your dog have really bad breath? I mean really bad breath. Bad breath in a dog could mean periodontal disease, which left untreated can be very dangerous to the overall health of your pet. Small dogs are extra prone to dental problems because their teeth are so close together. Your dog should have his teeth examined once a year by a vet, and you can help prevent plaque buildup by brushing your dog's teeth at least twice a week. It's not as bad as it sounds. Any pet supply store can set you up with a special pet toothbrush and toothpaste. Don't use human toothpaste. It's not made to swallow. The dog toothpaste tastes good, uh, to a dog, and your dog will actually grow to enjoy it. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
You know, here at Animal Radio, all of us have pets, our very own pets. And whenever we run into a pet product that we just think is exceptional, we want to share it with you. And of course, we use all these products that we talk about. You've probably heard us raving about the WizSmart Premium Pee Pads. And in fact, we just got a new puppy and we've been talking about it. But did you know that older dogs, small dogs, and dogs with medical issues could really benefit from having an indoor bathroom? You know, I truly believe that, you know, with all the medical advancements, our dogs are living longer and we have a lot more senior dogs and it's nice having a place for them to go indoors. And regardless of your age of your puppy, you know how we leave our dog alone for a little bit, say we're going to be gone just an hour (laughs) and something comes up and we're gone two or three hours. It is so nice to have a place for your dog to go so you don't have to rush and leave appointments early and you can let your dog go and not get stressed out because they don't have a place to go and they're waiting for you to come home even more there's studies that suggest that it actually might be better for your dogs to relieve themselves indoors so they don't have to hold it for as long when you're not home there's potential health risks if they hold it in uh, you know urinary tract infections crystals stones as well as behavior problems our puppies five months we've been using them for several months now and i have to say they have never once leaked They don't leak, and my dog can use it several times. It's not one of those real thin ones where as soon as they go, they track it all over the house, and you have to pick it up real fast. These you can leave down for several uses, and they do not leak. Yeah, we we change ours like once a day. They say it holds up to eight cups. I believe that. (laughs) I haven't tested that yet, but I think it's true. We should test that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we haven't tried any of their other stuff. They have top-notch doggy diapers for female dogs and doggy wraps for male dogs. A whole wonderful line of stuff over at wizsmart.com. That's W-I-Z-S-M-A-R-T.com. Wizsmart.com. Hi, this is Joyce Stewart on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets and sometimes a very controversial subject. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to a company that clones animals right here in the United States, a practice that's uh, brand new as far as I know. They've been cloning bigger animals, I I understand, uh, companion animals, pets, cats, and dogs, and uh, they'll be on the air with us in just a few minutes. Also on the way, Robert Semro with five things you must know about pet bowls. I think it's a great tease because... <laughs> We're trying to come up with five what things. What are five things? But apparently there are some very important things you need to know about your pet bowls on the way. Absolutely. Well, apparently it's your... needed because we don't have a clue what those five things could be. <laughs> I, I could take some guesses. Yeah, I could I, too. Absolutely. I, I think the same here. It's just I wonder what his angle is going to be. Yeah, well, we'll find out in just a couple of minutes. Of course, we mentioned uh, earlier that Molly, the studio dog... Sorry, it's in her contract that every time we... Mention Molly, the studio dog now. It must accompany this theme right here. It's uh, very strange, but as we had mentioned, she just got a role in a play. Uh, the, Legally uh, Blonde. Legally cool. Blonde play. She yes. plays plays Bruiser. And this is her first acting gig, so this will be uh, this is where she'll get her SAG-ATRA mm-hmm. card, I assume. And uh, so she's come into the studio this last week. She's been a little bit, uh, well, she has some demands. The demands, of course, are about the squeaky toy. You probably heard about that earlier. She must have the squeaky toy 
available at all times, yeah. whenever she wants. And she raided Ladybug's closet for all her pink outfits yeah. and pink collars. She took all her pink stuff. Ladybug has uh, moved down the Does she bowl. share well, though? I don't know. I mean, she's uh, I, Ladybug doesn't... I don't take her for one that's going to share well. Yeah, that's just no. not the way it's working. Uh, you take it from Ladybug, you got to keep it. You can't share it. She won't yeah, share. That won't work. Uh, so if you if you think that uh, this is crazy, you should be here with us just to, <laughs> to see how Molly... Is it every time? Oh, come every time on. Do that? Who would know? Okay. Well, she'll know. She'll tell me <laughs> after the show. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, I wanted to welcome KTRS in St. Louis, Missouri. This is uh, normal wackiness for us here at uh, Animal Radio. If you have a pet, call in and check in with us today. Uh, we do this every weekend. We have uh, Dr. Debbie over here. She's answering your vet medical questions. And dog father, Joey Villani. Uh, Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, got a couple of stories. Uh, one, very useful. It's springtime out, and, you know, there's a lot of plants and flowers and things that are blooming. And which might be harmful to your pet? We'll tell you which ones. And there's this um, new animal-friendly dog collar or cat collar out there. Uh, they make all different sizes, but they come with something matching for the human Oh, you got my I'm attention. I'm into matching. Yes, you got yeah. my attention. You like all that kind of stuff. Yes, if I can match my puppy, I think that's just so cute. Dr. Debbie, this it is, is cute. This is the time of the season where the uh, uh, the foxtails are uh, becoming yeah. pretty prevalent. I'm sure yeah. you see them in the office all, like several all, times a day. All over we, our neighborhood. Yeah, and you know what? People are surprised to understand that they don't think they have foxtails in their immediate yard, so there's no danger of that. But, you know, for the bulk of many dogs, you know, we take them for walks. They go to the park. They run around. They may be – these are kind of plant materials that are actually very common. It's not like some invasive weed that takes over your yard and you're going to know about it. It really is. They're common grasses and weeds that – put off these little things and they have a one-way ticket and they get stuck wherever they lodge themselves into ears feet skin vaginal areas i've actually seen as well how many do you remove Mm. a week do you think Oh, we probably don't get through a week without having one. But at this time of the year, definitely a lot more. And I'd have to say, if your dog has a very sudden head shaking, scratching, all of a sudden out of nowhere, especially if they haven't had a history of previous ear infections, then you really need to get your pet checked because that is often a presentation for a fox tail in the ear. It's just a very sudden onset of an ear infection with a lot of discomfort. Are they airborne? Can they fly into land and still get embedded, or do they have to brush against the actual plant? Usually it's they're they're passing by and brushing by it. So we do tend to see it a lot in the feet, um, kind of in the neck. And that's why sometimes, like, you know, the back parts, the hindquarters, we'll see that there. Dogs stick their heads down into grasses, and that's where their ears get exposed. You know, they certainly can be spread by the wind because any good uh, uh, Mother's Nature's uh, device for flowering or dispensing seeds um, is dispersed by the wind as well. But I'd say the majority of it is just dogs kind of in those environments, nosing around and getting their, their heads, their nose, their butts where it shouldn't be. You know, the big question on the phone lines this week was about that darn dog flu, because there's a brand new strain this year. A couple of years ago, it was the H3N2, which there is a uh, an injection or a uh, vaccination. vaccination for. There's actually preventative vaccinations now for both of them. The H3N8, which is the latest. Your animals may not even show any signs at all, but if they have high fever, runny nose, lethargy, you definitely want to get them to the vet. And of course, this is traveling across the country at breakneck speed. This week, we announced the 27th state, uh, Montana and Missouri. Uh, 26 and 20, I'm sorry, 27th and 28th state to have confirmed cases of the uh, canine flu. And uh, here's the deal. If you get the vaccination now, you pay about $50. 
and it's uh, done in two parts. If they get sick, it costs a lot more to deal with it. It's really only fatal in those that are that have like autoimmune, right. compromised elderly, immune, yeah. elderly, seniors, and really yes. young. Yeah. And uh, the cats, they cannot catch it. Really? Not this one. Not H3N8, but there has been documented cases of the H3N2 virus. Uh, being in cats. So there you go. That's the latest on the old flu. Can we just file that away somewhere? I thought H3N2 was the bird flu. I think that that was it from the avian flu. That was the original one, Mm -hmm. I believe. It came from there. Did it? I believe so. Oh, I learned so much on this show. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Dr. Paul on Incredible Radio. Is that what it is? Animal Radio. Okay, I'm sorry. Hello, this is Dr. Paul on Animal Radio. You know, take care of the pets and make sure that in these hot days that they get in lots of water and don't tie them outside in the sun because then they get a heat stroke. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. This is an Animal Radio News Update. Hi, I'm Lori Brooks. Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert joined forces again this month at a film festival where Stewart introduced the film Unlocking the Cage, and Colbert was there at the same place to support his wife, Evelyn, who happens to be a member on the board of the festival. The HBO documentary movie Unlocking the Cage follows the story of lawyer Stephen Wise, who aims to his words, break down the legal wall that separates animals from humans. Now, we have here at Animal Radio been talking about this a lot lately and how laws interpret personhood and affects animals. And uh, personhood, by the way, is a classification that even extends to corporations under U.S. law, but not animals at this time. But in the film, which did premiere earlier this year, back in January at the Sundance Film Festival, animal rights attorney Wise and his legal team argue certain creatures Creatures with advanced thinking capabilities, those like chimpanzees, whales and dolphins or cetaceans, and elephants should be provided with certain personhood rights in order to protect them from abuse. The film will be opening on May 25th at the Film Forum in New York City before spreading to other cities. And if it seems kind of weird to you that Stewart is introducing animal rights films, then you might not have heard about his long-term retirement plans. And if you haven't, let me tell you, the comedian's 12-acre home in New Jersey has now been transformed into a farm animal sanctuary. Pretty cool. We had him on. Uh, not him. We had his wife on. John likes pigs. He is a pig lover. I didn't know, but they, they mostly say farm animals. 
And their farm is, I believe, going to be the fourth in that farm animal sanctuary chain that they're working with a group on. So I, it's a, a great gesture, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, other good deeds, like a good neighbor, State Farm Insurance has been sponsoring its own arson dog program since the 90s. An accelerant detection canine, also known as an arson dog, is a dog that has been trained to sniff out wee, wee, tiny traces of accelerants that may have been used to start a fire. I was pretty impressed that this huge insurance giant has had a hand in placing over 350 arson dog teams in 44 states around the country and also three Canadian provinces. All of the canines they use are Labrador retrievers because labs do have a superior ability to discriminate among scents that are found on a fire scene. Plus, a lab's nose can smell in parts per quintillion And I don't even know how many that is, but it just sounds like astronomical, doesn't it? Labs generally have a very gentle disposition, of course. They have a great love-to-work attitude and a very outgoing personality. And we're happy to report that the majority of the dogs in the Arson Dog Program are from animal shelters, rescue organizations, or they are dogs who didn't pass their certified companion animal programs. I thought that was very cool. I didn't know it, and I just thought, you know, because you know, we some good things happen on this planet, and if you don't know, I, I thought that was a good one. I'm glad you told From me about the, that. <laughs> who did? You did. You did. I told you about the. Oh, just now. Just now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the worth waiting for file. How I think you are always up on these, but. I was reading this story about this thing I'm going to tell you about. I just thought it was the coolest. It's called Furbo. No, I haven't. One that Hal hasn't heard of? Okay. This is a multitasking camera that, you know, and there's lots of dog cameras and stuff that you set up in your home. Now, this one, you just put wherever in your home that your pet hangs out while you're away, and it allows you to see and talk to your pets. But get this. This one, Furbo, it can trigger, actually pop treats up in the air, remotely wow you press a button like on your phone and it pops a treat out for your dog to run and fetch so you're playing long distance with your dog it's supposed to be very easy to set up and then the unit is fastened down with some heavy duty adhesives that come up come with it so that it you know can't (laughs) be knocked over but it also has accompanying lights uh sounds and a speaker which alerts your dog you know like woohoo a treat is on the way so if your dog is sleeping or just wakes up and you're watching it, you see, oh, my dog's becoming alert. You can push this button and it, you know, kind of warns the dog, hey, this is your cue. You know how dog reactive training is. So Furbo pops the treat across the room and you and your dog are playing fetch remotely. Another bonus, Furbo's built-in mic senses barking. And then it immediately sends you an alert to your phone that your dog has become active again. But, you know, of course, it could be used with cats, too, if your cats like treats like this. The camera itself is HD, features a 120-degree wide-angle lens with a digital zoom and infrared LED for night vision. So, So it's loaded with the bells and whistles. And it sounds like a great deal because... Right now, Furbo is in the uh, beta testing stages and is available for pre-sale on Indiegogo for 99 bucks. Wow. I thought it would have been much more expensive. Yeah. And they will be shipping out the first units in July. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking for it. Wow. You guys can send us one. We'll test it for you. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Oh, we should be a tester. All five of us. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. 
This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Molly the Studio Dog. Is, she's been a little demanding this week. I gotta say, she, she got a part in a play. Is that correct, Judy? Yes, she did. In Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde? Yes, in a play, yes. So she wants top building around the studio. So ever since she got this part in the play, she's yes. really been a, a little different in the studios. She's been a little diva. Yeah, she has. I hear a squeaker toy in the background. You gotta keep that going. That's part of the new contract is to uh, keep... <laughs> Keep the squeaker toy going. So how great to be a dog. Yeah, yeah. it is. Doc Halligan, how are you doing today? I'm great. Well, Thank I, you. I wanted to talk ticks, a little tick talk yes. this week. We talked fleas last week. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize ticks are a big problem. Are they a problem in certain areas like wooded areas or moist climates or dry climates? Where do you find ticks? Well, you're right. Ticks are found exactly like you say in wooded areas. Um, but there, you can find a tick in every state in the United States. Okay, and so no one's immune. No one really is immune to having your pet get bit by a tick. And I'm just going to say this, that it is a, a zoonotic potential with ticks because people can get disease that ticks can get to dogs. And so the dog can bring the tick in on them or cat, and then that tick can bite the person, and the person can get the deadly Lyme's disease. Oh, I've heard about that. Now, I heard that taking ticks off, that's a, like an art and a skill in itself, <laughs> because if you pull the tick off and you leave some of it in there... The head breaks off. Yeah, it yep. uh, it can still have uh, do its nasty stuff that it does. Yes. Yeah, so, so first of all, you want to remove the tick within 12 to 24 hours. Okay. The reason you want to do that, because what the tick does, the tick has a cement type substance that kind of falls onto the dog and then it's stuck on the dog with a cement substance it puts out on its feet. Yuck. Buries its head into your dog or cat or you. Yes. Okay. And then starts, you know, drinking blood, the meal of choice. Okay. (laughs) That was really good. Um, So now here's the thing is though that when they transmit, if the tick has any type of disease in it, it's going to put it in your body within 12 to 24 hours. That's how long it'll take for it to put it into you. So the key is you want to remove the tick within 12 to 24 hours to prevent your pet or you getting any of these serious diseases. Now, there are so many creative ways I've seen to remove a tick, and it's actually comical, although sometimes it's sad. Like, this lady actually caught her dog on fire. I know, I heard about people. She lit a match, and she put the lit match up to the dog, and she had sprayed it with a insecticide that had alcohol and the dog caught on fire so yeah yes and i, well, I think you know, they teach that in boy scouts or something well there's the, there's the thing that you're supposed to take like a hot needle or a, a match to burn it off but i heard that that actually makes the tick really upset and the, it spits yes. its juices out even Re- further regurgitates or regurgitates yes. i mean it just yeah. vomits you yeah know, just and i could tell you i've taken thousands of ticks out off you guys i even have a video on my website how to take a tick off it's really easy okay how do you do it um okay so first you should put gloves on to protect your hand in case you have a cut and you get some of that tick 
juice into okay. your body. Okay. And then you just take a pair of blunted forceps, or you can even use tweezers. Then you want to go over the tick's body. You're going to be at the neck where you want to go as close as you can to where the tick is embedded in the skin. The only part of the tick that's in the dog, cat, or you is the head. Okay. So you go as close as you can, squeeze on the tick, and gently pull up in one little bump. And you just pull it up, and there you go. You got the head. You look, oh, I got the head. It's so easy to take off a tick. Okay, there wow. you go. You see, that's this is what summer brings around here, just walking around here. Yes. You have the ticks, and then you have the foxtails between those two things. <laughs> yes, foxtails. Just okay. look at your pet after you take him out for a, a day of fun. That's all. Just look him over. Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks so much. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Paul Rogers. And Cynthia Rogers. On Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right meow. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We have Sarah Ellis joining us. She's a feline behavior expert for International Cat Care. We're calling you. Is it London we're calling today? Uh, Wiltshire. Wiltshire, of course, down the street. So how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. You're a cat expert. You uh, probably own a few, right? Just one. Or they own you, right? Yeah, he's here right now. Now, is he a very particular cat? Does he like to be petted only in certain areas? Yeah, he does, actually. To certain areas, certain times, certain places. Tell me about your research. Sure. Okay, so um, I did a scientific study looking at where cats might like to be stroked. And the reason that we did that is because people often say, oh, I'm stroking my cat, and then suddenly he turns around and he swipes me. Yep. Uh Um, So we knew that cats do like to be stroked, but at some point during being stroked, they suddenly don't like it. And we didn't really know (laughs) where or why. So the first thing we did was we thought about, okay, where do cats make contact with each other, um, you know, with their social behavior with one another? And they tend to facial rub uh, their heads together and their faces together, sometimes down their bodies, and sometimes they wrap their tails together. So we thought, let's look at where humans touch cats and see what kind of responses we get. And is that similar to where cats touch each other? How many cats did you research? 
Uh, in total for the study, 54. Wow. So you got 54 cats and you sat there and petted them for days, <laughs> making notes? Not for days. That's important. Um, for a very short period of time, for just a number of seconds in each different body area. And in the first study, we looked at eight different regions on the body. Some of those regions are what we call scent gland areas. Uh, well, excuse they, me. They're called what? Scent gland. Scent gland. Okay. Yeah. So where they produce um, a chemical known as pheromones. Uh-huh. And that's the chemical that they use to communicate with their own species. So when they rub against you, they're actually depositing chemicals on you. Yeah. <laughs> we can't detect them, though, so don't worry. Okay. Um, so we compared those, those scent glands are predominantly in, in the face. Um, do you know where they've got a slightly bolder patch in front of their ears? Yes. Hair there. Their scent glands there. Okay. Behind their whiskers and their cheeks and under their chin. Also at the base of the tail. And we compared this to other areas where there's no or much less scent glands. So along the back, the chest, the, the, the different areas on the body, the neck, for example. And what we found was that cats are much more receptive to being stroked in on the head area, around the cheeks, under the chin, where the, the, the skin is really rich in those scent glands. And they really didn't like being touched um, at the base of their tail. Um, so often people will run their hand along the head, down the back, and then touch the base of the tail. And we found actually that that caused quite a lot of negative behaviours in the cats we studied. What kind of things did you look at as a criteria for being a positive response versus a negative response? Okay, so we videoed the cats, and then we then observed those videos, and we had like a what we call an ethogram, which is like a behavioral categorization. So to give you an example of, of some of the positive behaviors, it would be things like if the cat slow blinked, um, if they kneaded with their paws, all behaviors that we know from science are indicative of a positive emotional state. And negative things would be things like if the cat swiped or if the cat went to bite or if the cat turned its head around sharply towards the person who was stroking its hand or if they just actually got up and left and that they didn't want that interaction to continue. And actually there were more negative responses when the owner touched the cats than when an unfamiliar person touched the cats. Wow. So is there an order in which you're supposed to pet your cat? No, we did look for an order effect to say, oh, maybe maybe touching the base of the tail is negative because people are just going straight there first. But if they touch the cat from head to tail, which would mimic how cats interact with one another when they body rub against each other, would that reduce this negativity? But it didn't. Um, there was no effect of order there. The, mm. the base of the tail was still negative. But I should point out that we looked first, in the first study, we looked at touching each area on the cat for 15 seconds. And in the second study, we almost halved that to eight seconds. And it may be an effect of how long you touch each area. So I know we'll have listeners today that say, but my cat absolutely loves being touched at the base of the tail. And it may be that a fleeting touch there is positive. But in our study, the length of duration of the touch was definitely a negative response. Well, your individual results may vary, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, what about the uh, belly? The, uh, the the stomach area, the belly area. Ah, the belly. We we didn't even look at the belly <laughs> um, because we know the belly is pretty much a, a no-go area. We did some, some pilot work before we ran this study where we interviewed and got um, owners to fill in an online survey about where they touched their cats. Um, and we know that the belly already is a very vulnerable area for cats. They are evolved from a, a solitary predator um, and we know that often touching the tummy is an area that they just do not like to be touched. So because we already knew that, we just didn't go there. Yeah. How do I get your job? <laughs> <laughs> 
I did eight years of studying and a PhD in feline behavior, then another wow. eight years researching cats. <laughs> that, that's cool. Well, I have a strange cat. We have a studio cat that you would love to, to I'm sure, interview who uh, <laughs> loves belly rubs and loves actually to play Anything. with the fingers. You play with their little fingers their and little toes. between their claws and everything. Really very different. Yeah, you you always get, you know, um, exceptions to the norm. And there will be the odd individual cat that, that doesn't mind being touched on, on its belly. But generally, we try on the whole to suggest avoid, we, we suggest avoiding it because if you stroke that belly, often if they don't like it, they grab onto you with all four legs and all four feet and they can do a lot of damage with their mm. claws. This is all very intriguing. Stuff, if yes. you ever need any uh, U.S. cat strokers, you just <laughs> call upon me. I'll help you out there. I really appreciate all your time today, and uh, you're enlightening me about how I how I pet my cat. Now, if people want to learn more, they can go to icatcare.org. Icatcare.org. That's the International Cat Care Organization. You're the feline behavior expert over there. Sarah Ellis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We're going to head back to the phones for your calls for cats, dogs, iguanas, ferrets, whatever it may be right now for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Hermit crabs, goldfish. Hi, I'm Charlotte Ross on Animal Radio. Please remember to spay and neuter your pets. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Molly, the studio stunt dog. We're supposed to announce that now, right there at the front. Uh, it was one of the requirements from... Okay, but no more music. <laughs> I have you no control over this. It's part of her contract now, Molly, the studio stunt dog, now that she's on theater, in theater. She uh, <laughs> requires stage. a lot of these uh, little things. And Can you just give her the squeaky toy? Maybe that'll shut her up for a couple okay. seconds there. Okay. Yeah, when is Dr. Debbie going to get special music? I, I know. I, I kind of feel left out of this. You know, I don't have a hip name. I don't get music. But you know, yet maybe... you're still the star of the show somehow. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. Yes. yes. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I I need a special handshake or greeting when I come around. You just um, don't have the right agent, obviously. Yeah. I guess you need to find a, a better representation if you yes. could. Hey Jeff, how are you doing? Just fine. I'm, I'm a truck driver. I'm driving through Atlanta right now. Driving through but I'm Atlanta. Yeah, I'm on the way home. Do you travel with your animal? 
No, they took him out of the truck because, uh, I don't know, I, I could try to get him back. But it's my wife's dog I'm concerned with. Okay, well, I got it's the doctor a, here, so what's up? It's a chihuahua. He's a male. He's five years old, pedigree. And uh, he's never, uh, well, he's marking my house, and he's, and he's humping on his toys. Okay, so I'm guessing this boy's got two things dangling between his hind limbs, huh? Right, right. He's done okay. You know, my question was, if I have him neutered, will that stop? Well, what you're describing, those are sexual behaviors. So while it's impossible to say it won't happen at all, um, they're driven by hormones. So an intact male dog is very likely to hump on objects or people. Um, and um, definitely marking is part of their communication. So my number one recommendation is, um, you know, he makes a better pet and it's healthier for him to get him neutered. So yes, I wouldn't hesitate to get that done. And only in some rare cases do we see dogs that will still um, mark or that will still um, have some of those over-sexual behaviors like the, the humping and that. And in those cases, um, you know, we have to kind of deal a little bit more training-wise with that. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, so feel, definitely. Because, you know, I mean, he's an inside dog. He only goes on a leash. And I've been trying to find a female. Made him, you know what I mean? These are some awesome dogs. Uh, he doesn't need to breed just because he's awesome. You love him all the same. And everybody wants to breed their dog because they want to pass on the good genes. But you know what? Every day at the shelter, even here in Las Vegas, chihuahuas pure breed chihuahuas are put to sleep because they don't have homes so i would stop you before you even think about breeding just for the sake of you know breeding on his good oh. genes really um so yeah i'd embrace a castration go ahead and get this little fella neutered help his behavior problems and then also you know it helps to you know save a life because you know those pups that might be born you know would displace uh, the hopeful adoption of some other dogs that what, are already what, waiting what kind of cancers can we avoid if we get neutered and spayed well, in male dogs, definitely testicular cancer. Um, it helps to decrease risk of prostate cancer in male dogs. And there's even some skin tumors in male dogs that are hormonally driven. So those can be eliminated or wiped out um, with uh, castration. In female dogs, there's a lot. Mammary cancers. If we spay a dog before they go into heat, we can make the risk of breast cancer zero. If you wait until after they've had a few heats or let them have, you know, babies, that risk of breast cancer goes up. So uh, spaying also um, saves female dogs from having the problem of pyometra, which is an infection in the uterus, which is very, very serious, life-threatening, completely preventable by getting them spayed. So, yeah, there's overwhelming um, evidence to, to recommend spaying a neuter. Hey, Bob. Hi. How are you How are doing you? today? I'm doing fine. I understand you had to pull over for this call. Yes, I did. What's going on? I have... it's, we're so exciting here that <laughs> we take your full attention. <laughs> I wouldn't want to cause any accidents. Dr. Debbie is right here. She can help you with whatever's going on. Hi, Dr. Well, Debbie. Hi. How are you? I'm super today. Uh, uh, what can we do for you? Oh, my gosh. I have, I have a black lab. I've had labs my whole life. And for as a, a uh, birthday present, my wife gave me a uh, black lab. Again, which I, I swore I wasn't going to get another one because it hurt me so much when my last one passed away. But uh, mm -hmm. she's two years old. Her name's Haley. And uh, I don't know what she did, but she pulled uh, an ACL or it's a little rubber, the, the, the part that keeps her knee to her, uh, her, her calf. 
Uh, okay. I think it's, yeah. they said it was their ACL or the little joint in between. But they said it was going to cost me anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars, and it causes a huge dilemma because I'm uh, uh, not only a truck driver, but I'm a real estate owner, and I have three homes, two of them in Las Vegas, and uh, my renters weren't paying me, so I'm oh. upside down. I have my credit stinks now, and I want to get her fixed. And everybody that I've talked to, all these doctors don't want to extend me any kind of credit and i mean i'm <laughs> i have assets i have car all my cars are paid for my boat if i have to i'll give them my uh pink slip whatever it takes to get her fixed she's like my uh, daughter oh. i mean i do anything to get it done but right now i don't have three thousand dollars and i told them i'd give them 500 now and start paying them payments and nobody will do it yeah and that's where well, i'm at my credit's in the tank i just would like to find some doctor that has some sympathy for my dog because oh, when I get home at night, she just dragged her. I can't even say it right now. She just drags up to me. She okay. can't walk. Okay. Well, well, first we'll talk a little bit about cruciate ligament injuries and very common in large active dogs, but it can happen even in those little couch potato dogs that, you know, just jump off the couch and, and blow their knee out. The, the honest truth is that for big dogs, surgery is really the best way to go. And it's not necessarily a, an easy surgery. It's a, usually a specialty level surgery. So it does take quite a bit. And when listeners hear, oh my God, $2,000, $3,000, it seems like a lot, but this is really yeah. a huge surgery. And it, it is the equivalent of, um, you know, having your knee explored as a human. Um, small dogs, we can get away with some, you know, medical management in many cases and, and some other therapies outside of going to surgery. But I, I'd have to, you know, support what you probably heard from the other vets that surgery is usually the best way to go. The finances and the resources in getting that lined up, uh, there are some different options in different areas, uh, things such as Care Credit, which is a credit service which um, allows um, billing, um, and that might be something to look into, whether that's an well, option in I, the year. I, I have done that, and they because my credit, because of my, my homes right now, I've had to, to file Chapter 13, which I'm keeping mm -hmm. my homes, but it mm -hmm. put my credit in the tank. I mean, I used oh, to have perfect yeah. credit. And uh, nobody wants to even look at me. They, they, they called me back and said, sorry, we can't. And I, that's not an option with my dog. I don't want to, sure. you know, I don't want to put my dog to sleep at all. But, yeah. uh, uh. So, well, I, I mean, let's let's talk about some of the alternatives with the cruciate disease because, you know, we know surgery is definitely going to be the best way to go. And, and yeah. nobody wants to see you put your dog down over this. But this is a, a very real problem that happens all over the place. And this is really the number one orthopedic injury that we see in dogs is cruciate ligament oh damage. God. So it is so common. It is out there. And, you know, you could talk to 10 people in the immediate area and uh, many of them will know about it in themselves or in dogs. So if we can't go towards surgery at this point, I'd want to make sure we're really looking at your baby's weight and make sure that Haley is a lean, mean wagon machine. Well, um, because She's not, and uh, we're, we're, uh, okay. we're not giving her table scraps anymore. We, we, you know, we had a bad habit of doing that, and that was one of my things. Uh, I, I said we got to get her down, her weight down, because I think is what they're saying is that, that the surgery, her weight is going to, they won't be able to fix it at that price because they have to do uh, more intensive surgery because she's such a big dog. 
And, uh, well, partly because, because of their weight, but it's also based on the size and the anatomy of a dog's knee. And then larger dogs, we usually more, prefer the surgery where we put a type of a, um, a bone plate in there. For little dogs, we don't need to go to that direction, but the large dogs really need that because they have a forceful, strong body. And, and obviously with Labradors, they're very active. So we want to have something that's going to hold up. And that's really yeah. the best thing. So I would, at this point, I would really put our efforts and slimming down this baby. And many dogs, even with mild cruciate injuries, those that haven't quite gone completely torn, um, weight loss, pain management, and joint protectives such as glucosamine and the medication uh, that's given by injection called Adequan, those can be useful to help control the pain, keep the pet moving, and then in the meantime, slim them down so that they're a better surgical candidate or to see if, they're, uh, if they respond well to medical therapy. Um, so, so those are some real things that might be of value. And there are some dogs that I have, uh, for whatever reason, a family decision, um, older pet, where surgery isn't the choice we can go with. And uh, sometimes we'll put a splint on the leg for a period of weeks. Um, there's even braces, orthotic braces, which can be made for your pet that help to give support because we know with cruciate injuries it can happen in the other leg so okay. don't just focus on this one leg right now we really have to make a good well, effort at what i was worried about because they gave me some medication and i give it to her and she can walk around she's just fine but then this one person told me that it's not really good because then she'll she's okay and she'll put her other leg out yeah, but I'm not a fan of letting dogs be in pain because it limits their activity. That's old school veterinary thought from 20, 30 years ago. We want to control yeah. pain, but we want to limit activity. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't want to let her feel uncomfortable and that keep her from moving. But, uh, yeah, so so there's definitely some avenues there that we can look at. And this economy sucks, and veterinarians feel it just like pet owners. But this is a, a huge surgery. It really is a big thing. And there are things you can do now to make your pet more comfortable or to make her a better surgical candidate. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. 
You can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. In just a couple of minutes, Robert Semro, our Pet World Insider, with five things you must know about pet bowls. Five things you must know about pet bowls. Uh, apparently, other than putting food in them and putting them on the floor, there's I food water. There's quite a lot. Food, water, putting them on the floor. Come on, we two more. There's, there's got it. Well, <laughs> I'm sure he's thought about it, and uh, he'll be. Telling and they us. come in metal and, and in plastic. Oh, but I some people five. raise I them. Five. Some raise people raise them. them. Yeah, I guess yeah. there is. There is a lot of things you can do yeah. with food bowls, but okay. I have no idea what's on Robert's mind. So we'll find out in just a few minutes. Right here. Lori, what are you working on? Well, there's a pet population boom in America, but we're not talking dogs and cats. I mean, they're, of course, included in the boom. We're getting other kinds of creatures as pets. And what you probably didn't know about some of these smaller creatures that we're now keeping... Keeping as pets? Yeah. Animals that you wouldn't even think about. Okay. Uh, we do have some email for you, if that makes you feel better. All right. By the way, you can email us. You can. There's so, so many ways you can ask your questions. You can call in from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and you can email us. Uh, I believe we all have our own very own email addresses. They're over at the website at animalradio.com. Uh, this one comes in from somebody listening on our brand new affiliate, KTRS in St. Louis. They go, hi there. Couldn't sleep and ran across your radio show being aired here on KTRS AM. So I guess... Let's see. The time stamp on the email is 3.30 a.m. So, yeah. Seriously couldn't That's, sleep. <laughs> uh, is that, we're really on at 3.30 a.m. in the morning? I don't know. Let's Louis? hope that they, it was earlier and she just waited until... I think they... there's actually two airings there in that city. I think there's a daytime airing of that. So uh, just if you're listening, uh, check out the other airing just in case <laughs> you uh, want to get some sleep. Anyway, she goes on to say, I fostered for a rescue group for several years, and I don't understand why many... TV and radio personalities don't more strongly emphasize the importance of certain things. I, you know, without going like on this email, I'm frightened already. I, I fear okay. that uh, we've already let her down uh -oh. somehow. She goes on to say, Dr. Debbie was trying to explain why a caller should keep his cat inside, which was great, but she didn't mention how outside cats have a truly devastating effect on the bird populations. And further, she didn't include the fact that outside cats are at great risk for acquiring feline AIDS. To these are things mm -hmm. I think we talk about pretty frequently. I we did. Yes. Yeah, I think. Well, and sometimes with the scope of the topics, I mean, I, yeah, I could keep talking and babbling, but I don't know that you all would want to hear everything I have to say about outdoor cats. But no, she she does bring up a great point: is that you know, outdoor cats. You know, while we would prefer cats to live indoors where they're safe, they do have an impact on wildlife, and they can really decimate populations of just natural birds um, that are in an area. So it is more than just your own pet in your own backyard. You really do have more of an uh, impact on the earth than the other creatures around you. So yeah. that is a good point. And outdoor cats, definitely more infectious disease. So they're more prone to um, have shorter lives, um, not just due to trauma and getting hit by car or getting picked out by coyotes or owls or what have you, but infectious diseases spread among animals that mingle and fight. And uh, things like feline leukemia and feline infectious virus are certainly... Um, 
you know, things that are prevalent in those populations. Well, they live longer if they're inside. That's yes. the bottom line. Well, that's what, that should be the number one either. reason. Yeah. That, that and there's a lot of great ways that you can improve the life of a indoor cat. Because a lot of people say, oh, it's too boring. Well, you know, you can have little cat uh, condos, you know, the little outdoor enclosures. Um, what do they call those? We've had those folks in Catteries. Yeah. Catteries, where you can build that off your house or put window perches, climbing sites indoors, you know, food dispensing, interactive toys. There's so many ways to make an indoor cat's life more interesting so that you can't say, oh, they just want to be outside because it's more fun. Linda, thank you so much for your uh, email there. And and listen a little longer. You'll find out that we're probably more alike than you think. Just (laughs) saying that right there. You're probably crazy about your animals too, Linda. I'm guessing we open up your wallet pictures of all animals right linda <laughs> we sh- we share your passion <laughs> who carries a wallet who carries yeah. pictures in their wallet it's yeah. on your phone steal now. your cell phone and look yes. at your photos there, there you go i'm so old school okay here's another one this comes from jan in uh i don't know where she comes from jan well thank you jan for writing first of all she says i love your show she says a stray cat had kittens and planted them in my yard for about a week then she moved them but she still comes in my yard to eat what should I do going forward as far as the kittens, you know, like feeding them? I've stayed away from that up until now. I don't want them all, but one is possible. I like how she's open to that wonder. <laughs> I also don't want the mother having more litters, so I'll contact the local Animal Rescue League about that. Any assistance would be greatly appreciated, Doc. Oh, right. Well, it really kind of depends on how we're trying to intervene at this point. Um, If we want these kittens to enter into the pet world and become adoptable versus allowing a feral colony to have the kittens and to remain in that group. And a lot really depends on your ability to help, to find resources to help, as well as um, how old the kittens are. So, for instance, if these kitties are still under eight weeks of age, so they're still with mama, we have a good chance that we can remove them and that they will acclimate to becoming a pet. And the reason we want to do this before eight weeks is really because they start to learn their social cues from who they spend their time with. So if we leave them with mom till after three months, four months, they actually will be, behave more feral. And it's harder to tame them to being accustomed to human handling, contact, and so forth. So that's really the big decision to make. Um, if those kittens are within that time frame, then certainly I'd want to remove them, start taming them, socializing to people. It is a process. So it's not just bringing them in your house and letting them run around. You really have to be committed to, to doing it the right way. Um, so if those cats are over that, you know, you may just want to allow them to be uh, feral cats, get them trapped, neutered, spayed. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android this is glenn close on animal radio urging you to spay or neuter your pet how would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs we've set up a special toll-free number for the rx outreach program they're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. 
That's 800-689-0143. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Uh, You probably noticed America is experiencing a population boom of pets. It's driven by rising disposable income, people making a lot more money that they can, you know, don't need necessarily for bills and things. Urbanization is contributing and by evolving attitudes towards animals. The number of pets has grown more rapidly, they say, since the mid-1970s than the human population to the point that where we are now, well, we have about as many pets on the planet as we do people. And that is true here in America. Psychologists say the changing way that we treat our pets, mostly dogs and cats, is evidence of a deepening human-animal bond that's going on. Now, that's the good news. On the flip side of this, more and more smaller creatures of all kinds are finding themselves as pets these days. And they're not as lucky as our cats and dogs. There was a great piece in the New York Times recently that focused on this and explored the ways that new era pets are kept and what they really need to be healthy. For example, believe it or not, goldfish. They are more intelligent, according to studies, much more intelligent than we think. Goldfish can feel pain, and they do engage in socially complex behaviors. But a current trend in aquariums, on the other hand, is a so-called, it's called a nanotank. It's a fish habitat that is designed to fit on the corner of a desk with only six cups of water in it. Another interesting point made by the author is the way the pet industry advertises and sells animals kind of gives you the impression that these pets are cheap and disposable. Take, for example, the case of the pet store in your local mall down the road, where for 20 bucks anyone can walk in and buy a hermit crab, complete with a cage that would fit on, say, just a tiny index card, like a 5 by 7 index card. But did you know what the recommended size tank for a good hermit crab to be in good health is at least 10 gallons? That's what they should be living in, a 10-gallon aquarium. Also, they say hermit crabs, despite their hermit name, they're really actually very social creatures that live in large colonies in the wild. And hermit crabs can live 30 years or longer. Wow. Yeah. Who knew, huh? Well, the fact that those of us who are gardeners are out doing a lot of spring planting these days means veterinarians will soon be getting more calls about sick pets. Although lilies, for example, look beautiful in a garden and can smell wonderful, eating just a couple of leaves can cause fatal kidney failure in cats. So be sure to know what lilies grow in your gardens. They say the more dangerous, potentially fatal lilies are true lilies that belong to the Lilium or Hermiocallus species. Some of these dangerous lilies include, you know, lilies you probably see all the time, tiger lilies, day lilies, Asiatic hybrid lilies, Easter lilies, Japanese lilies, uh, the very beautiful and wonderful smelling rubrum and stargazer lilies. Also, western red and wood lilies are all very highly toxic to cats, but Calla lilies, which some people call, they're the white ones that have a kind of a, a swirly end and a big yellow stamen that comes up in the middle. Yeah. Those are not toxic in the same way to cats, but they can have severe reactions as well. A- another plant you may not have thought of, especially out west, sago palms and the Japanese kunji or kunjai palm 
are extremely toxic and should never be in a home that has pets or children because the seeds are very toxic on that plant. And the leaves could also be poisonous as well. Tulips and hyacinth bulbs, daffodils and crocus can also cause reactions in your pets. But it's not only the plants. Because, you know, a lot of the chemicals that gardeners and homeowners use can cause problems for pets. They use chemicals like fish emulsion to fertilize plants, blood meal to make them grow better, cocoa mulch, which is used in a lot of gardens. All of those things can attract pets, but should the animal eat them, they are toxic to them. And, and of course, there's always things like lawn chemicals, fertilizers, bug and weed killers can be toxic too, even after it's dried. Your pets walk on grass that has just been sprayed with that stuff and then they lick their feet and wham your dog or cat has just ingested poison so to be safe put the number of the animal poison control hotline on your refrigerator so it's there when you need it and there are lots of them out there new york-based friendship collar has come up with what i think is a great idea the maker of vegan fashion accessories for pets meaning that none of their products are made with any animal component or caused harm to any animal makes beautiful collars for dogs and cats that are paired with a matching bracelet for the animal's human. In their words, <laughs> we wouldn't dream of putting anything on our animals that we wouldn't wear ourselves, and they're all really very pretty. I definitely wear them. All friendship collars are softer than leather. They're durable and they're animal-friendly. And the collar won last year's Pet Business Industry Recognition Award for Best Dog Collars. And even better, friendship collars teaming up with rescues and shelters all across the country now to help rescue animals around the world find their true best friends and their forever homes. And the bracelet, I love bracelets, and these are really cute. It's just like a, a mini dog collar. That is a bracelet that fits on your wrist, and they match exactly. That's right up your alley, Judy, isn't oh, I it? I love the matching stuff. <laughs> yes, I do. I do, too. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, it's Alan Cable. This week, what you should know about getting a dog. Don't underestimate the responsibilities of bringing a pooch home. That dog's going to be with you and your family for the rest of his or her life. Owning a dog is a lifetime commitment. Dogs develop strong bonds to you and your family, to their pack. Before you bring a dog home, think about the cost. It didn't used to be something you had to consider, but now owning pets is pretty expensive. Between food and vet bills, you're looking at about $1,000 a year. And then there's the basic stuff you need to have before you bring your dog home, like a collar, a leash, food and water bowls, toys, and a crate. Before your dog or puppy ever comes home, you'll want a dog-proof your house. Make sure that anything that can hurt your dog is out of reach, like poisonous plants or cleaners, any kind of chemicals, candy and glass that can shatter. Something you should know is that puppies, well, they're a lot of work in the beginning. You've got to house train them. You've got to teach them rules and boundaries. They're going to chew a lot of your stuff up if you're not watching them all the time. Puppies like to investigate and try everything, so make sure there's nothing dangerous for them to get into. It takes lots of time and lots of patience, consistency, and a dedicated schedule. And everybody in your family has to be on the same page. A dog can get very confused when different people in the house have different rules. So keep it simple. Decide what the rules are going to be and have everybody follow them. An important thing you're going to want to do with your puppy early on is to expose him or her to, oh, as many people in different environments as you possibly can. So that your puppy will learn to be confident 
And you're going to want to continue to do that beyond the puppy years. It's called socialization. It's good for you and your dog because it'll give you both confidence. And remember, you have to be a confident leader. By giving your dog this kind of leadership, you reduce the chances that your dog will ever become fearful or aggressive. Put a lot of time, thought, and consideration into what kind of a dog you want for your family. Border Collies are really smart. Poodles, German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, and Dobermans are also very smart dogs. Thanks for listening and get more tips at Animal Radio. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, Fran. Hi. How are you? I have a question for Dr. Debbie. Okay. Um, What can I do for you then? Well, I have three cats, okay? My Mm -hmm. oldest is 12, and her digestive system is, um, well, I have to watch what I give her. Um, Otherwise, she throws up or she gets the runs really bad. Mm. Um. My other two, they're younger, and uh, they can eat almost anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But my question is, I took my boyfriend, and him and I went looking at dog food, or at cat food and dog food, but we went to a nice, um, like, an organic place, and we looked at, like, the Paul Newman and the the Manuva and all that, and we were looking at the ingredients. Then we went to um, Walmart. And we looked at other ingredients in um, whiskers and um, um, eyes and things like that. And there's such a big difference. My question is, what are the good ingredients and what are the bad ingredients in cat (laughs) and dog food? Are they the same or, I mean, what do you look for? And that is a hard question. Um, so you're really making this challenging for me. And the reason it's hard is because there's not a blanket answer that we can say because every pet is different. Um, so sometimes life stages or health conditions might lean us towards one diet for one pet versus another. Now, some generalities that I can tell you is that when you're kind of looking and comparing labels, now I have a lot of folks that will say, I looked at the label of Old Roy and I looked at the label of this expensive uh, boutique food, and they have the same actual ingredients listed, maybe in a different order. How do you know which is which? Well, a couple ways. One is that I always look at the ingredients, and we want to see, because cats are carnivores, they eat meat primarily in the wild. So we want to make sure we got a good quality meat protein listed as one of the first couple ingredients. That's very important. Um, I would prefer to see that at the top of the list versus at the bottom of the list of ingredients. Now, the other thing that I look at is that I look at the brand. And if I'm looking at a brand of dog food or cat food, I'm going to look a little bit for the company name and the reputation of the company. If I am not familiar with that company and I can't look it up and see that they've done feeding trials on that food and I'm not comfortable that that food has actually been something other than a little batch that someone made up, um, even if it is organic and they made up this little batch on the side, I want to make sure that I've got a company that stands behind the food. I can get a live person on the phone if I have a concern or problem. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold 
Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Hello, Animal Radio listeners. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Things You Must Know About Pet Bowls. When you think about daily interactions with your pets, do you think about your pet's bowls? If you don't, you should. Pet bowls are very important to the overall health of your pet. There are all kinds of bowls on the market these days, and they come in all shapes and sizes, and they're made from a variety of materials. Here's five things you must know about pet bowls. Let's start with the material the bowl is made of. From plastic to ceramic to metal to paper, you can find bowls that are made out of a variety of materials these days. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because each of these has their advantages and disadvantages. Plastic and ceramic bowls can be less expensive and more decorative, but they can develop scratches, gouges, or chips where bacteria can grow and fester. Metal bowls and silicon bowls are more durable, but require care to be kept clean as well. Paper bowls are single-use and effective for germ and cleanliness concerns, but can be more expensive over time. I mentioned cleanliness and bacteria because it's so important. Studies have shown that E. coli, salmonella, and yeast or mold are common issues for pet bowls. Your pet's bowl may in fact be a cesspool of germs and unhealthy bacteria. It's imperative that you clean it after each meal. Add to that the fact that your pet's sense of smell is more than a thousand times stronger than yours, and they may be avoiding their food dish not out of taste concerns, but health concerns. Let's talk about the size of the bowl. We have a pet obesity problem, and one of the simplest things you can do is select the proper sized bowl for your pet. If you select a large bowl, that doesn't mean it needs to be filled beyond the food recommendations. Pet parents often see a large bowl as empty and will add more food in. Get a bowl that's properly sized for your pet. And remember that your pet may have special bowl needs. Flat-faced pets can have a difficulty with eating out of a normal bowl because of their facial features. There are specially designed bowls for these breeds. If you have a flat-faced pet, this one change can make a world of difference for them. Next up, cat lovers remember that your cat's whiskers are very sensitive, and many don't like it when their whiskers hit the sides of a bowl. So be aware of whisker fatigue and look for a bowl or feeding platform that avoids that issue. Finally, make them work for it. There are a wide variety of ways and tools to feed your pets. Switch it up and engage their minds in curiosity with a feeding puzzle or toy that requires them to work for it. They need the mental stimulation and they'll benefit from having to work to get that reward of food or a treat. Share your pet bowl preferences and stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. a sick dog this weekend. My own Nikki was uh, down and out and vomiting and having diarrhea like mad. Now, what do you do? Do you take uh, Nikki to the vet or do you... <laughs> well, no. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I would think sometimes you wouldn't want to treat your own animals, but... Uh, you know, I turn into a doggy mama. Okay. You know, it's something that I, I turn into a mom. I forget that I'm a vet, <laughs> but but I did have to deal with it because um, I, I was going to be away um, the following day and I wanted to make sure she was well while I was away. So I ended up doing blood work and some x-rays on her and she was vomiting and having this horrible diarrhea and with really no apparent trigger so ended up finding out that she had mild pancreatitis 
Oh, is that from, from eating what? like fatty food? Well, if she were eating fatty food, she's on her regular dog food with really nothing out of the ordinary. The only thing I did give her that was different is, you know, you go to the bagel place and they got those little doggy bagels that you give them. Yeah. They're kind of like a dog dried up kind of biscuity style uh, treat. Uh-huh. That was the only thing new and different that I gave her. And I had done blood work 24 hours in advance because I was g- going to be having a, a surgery on her soon. And her blood work was normal the day before. And then the next day she had pancreatitis. It was crazy. Well, now what so, starts that? Well, most commonly in dogs, it'll be after they get a really rich or fatty meal. So dogs that get into the garbage um, or say we share food off the table. We you know share like a lot of the holiday feasts with our dogs. That's a real common trigger. There are dogs where there's not always a real apparent dietary trigger, and it can happen for other reasons. And we see this a lot in schnauzers, per se. Um, so for her, I don't know. The only thing was, you know, this this little doggy bagel that I gave her that was different. But boy, she was one sick puppy. So she was on fluids. I had to give her anti-vomiting medicines, and um, she's a new dog after you know doing that kind of care. So the bottom line is, folks, um, even if you just had blood work really recently, sometimes things will be very apparent parent when your pet is sick and that's the best time to have those kind of tests when they're at the vet and uh, definitely fluid therapy when a dog's dehydrated and vomiting diarrhea goes a long way to make them feel better just like it does with us if we're can't hold anything down wise advice and of course don't uh, don't feed your animals any fatty stuff that could start this what is pancreatitis we never really talked about that oh, is yeah it- yeah it's an inflammation within the pancreas. It's an organ that produces digestive enzymes that help to break down our foods. But also there's the other part of the pancreas that um, is involved with insulin production and ma- maintaining the glucose. So pancreatitis is when the dietary part of it kind of gets ticked off and it releases these enzymes, causes ad- abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, and loss of appetite. It's always nice to have a veterinarian around when your animal gets sick. I know. It's hard when they're your own, though. <laughs> yes, it is. Do you do surgery on your own animal? Never. You, never? No, okay. Uh, no. I, g- I gave up on that a long time ago. My my husband, who's a veterinarian, criticized one of my incisions in the suture pattern that I placed. Oh. So I said, okay, buddy, from here forward, you do every surgery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, it seems like the show is getting shorter and shorter, doesn't it? I, I don't know. There's just so much in it. Thank you so much, Judy. You're welcome. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, be sure to check out Dr. Debbie's Kindle books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. They're over at Amazon, and uh, you can get links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. is Animal Radio Network.